This is WKOK Sunrise on your station for the best news, talk, and sports. News Radio 1070 WKOK and WKOK.com. And thank you so much for joining us on WKOK Sunrise. Rob Center taking great care of us this morning, our fabulous producer. He's the one that's going to make the WKOK podcast page have our full interview on it as soon as we complete the interview with Tom Butzler is on the line. He's a horticulture educator at the Penn State Cooperative Extension Agency. He's based out of Clinton County. But if you've seen Penn State's, I'm going to call it the famous B keeping course. What is it? Beekeeping 101 online, yep. Tom? Yes, that's correct. All right. Well, my lovely bride and I took that course about three, four years ago. Very, very, very informative and helpful. And we went back and looked at it repeatedly our first year. So uh, we really appreciate your work on that, bringing it right down to street level, but at the same time with uh, a lot of great science in it. So I think you did tremendous service with that beekeeping. But horticulture is your speciality. So whether you're talking about the lawn or landscaping or uh, good vegetable gardens, uh, there may be some information to pass along this time of year. Let's start out with the lawn. That's something probably more people have. Uh, is yeah. there anything you should be doing with your grass or your lawn right now this time of year? Yeah, so most grasses that we grow here in Pennsylvania are what we call these cool season grasses, meaning they grow best during the cool season. So that would be the spring and the fall. Uh, so there are a number of things that can be done now while these grasses are going to really actively grow. Um, so one of them is to um, aerate the lawn. Um, aeration is a destructive process. It's pretty harsh on, uh, on the turf grass, uh, but it does a myriad of benefits to that uh, soil uh, where these roots are growing. Um, it opens up the pore spaces. It allows entry of fertilizer or if you have to lime down into those roots and it really just promotes healthy uh, uh, grass so uh, aeration is a great time uh, right now the other thing and I just kind of alluded to that is fertilization these grasses are actively growing so this is a good time now to, to put on uh, some nitrogen and and maybe phosphorus and potassium and I say maybe instead of kind of blindly guessing it, it's really good idea to get a soil test to see where you are it may be that you don't need to add uh, some of these nutrients and uh, you know you can save money but more importantly we don't have these nutrients running off into our waterways and down into the chesapeake bay or wherever you know th this water ends up and you, you lead to some environmental issues so i do encourage folks at this time to get a soil test before you start um, adding fertilizers to the lawn. If somebody were going to say, well, I'm sick of mowing, I'm sick of fertilizing, sick of, sick of all this, is there a lawn replacement, uh, you know, wildfire or some sturdy ground cover that requires fewer inputs? Well, you know, and, and that's a good question. You know, we, a lot of people like that aesthetic look of a nice, clean lawn. You don't need to add fertilizer. You don't need to add herbicides to control those weeds. You can get almost let it go more towards a, a meadow look. And you started off this, this segment by talking about beekeeping. You know, for our pollinators, including honeybees, they look at some of these well-kept, managed lawns almost as a desert. There's, there's nothing in, in, in uh, um, the, a lawn if there's no flowers. So you can bypass some of these synthetic inputs, such as fertilizers and, and herbicides, and, and allow more uh, of these broadleaf weeds uh, to go out there 
And that would require less mowing, too, if you kind of manage that way. The other alternative is to create more landscape beds, plant some trees, um, uh, shrubs, things like that, that, um, um, you know, you don't require mowing around those landscape beds. You'd be using mulch or maybe you'd be going with river stone as a, um, um, a ground cover, or you could go with ground covers themselves, uh, living ground covers. So there are ways to reduce that lawn uh, surface um, and, and reduce that mowing. You're right. Right now with this rain we're getting and this cooler weather, uh, grass is going to pop, and it's going to require um, weekly mowing or maybe even more than once a week. Well, I'm going to come up with some sort of, I'm going to require you to help me work on a grass retarder where you spread it over along that it holds the grass in place wherever it is, lush and holding. <laughs> so we'll do that. Yeah. All right, let's, so let's move on to some other landscape. Let's talk primarily about issues. You have some common points that you talk about when you're talking about landscaping. Right. Well, you know, one is, um, um, you know, talk about grass, and I alluded to this idea of trees and shrubs. You know, right now is a great time um, to purchase and install trees and shrubs. One, uh, nurseries and garden centers typically are getting all their trees and shrubs in on the spring. People are coming out of winter, they want to plant, and they've got that green thumb, and they want to see green. And so these garden centers are loaded with this plant material. But come fall, these garden centers and nurseries, they kind of want to unload some of that invoice. They don't want to carry it over the winter and worry about trying to get it to survive and take care of it. And, you know, they might experience loss of that product. So this is a good time to get some good sales some, some, um, on, on trees and shrubs, to get them kind of at a good price. Now, the downside to that is the selection may be a little, little more limited. But not only do you get some, some discounts on this product, um, it's a good time to plant because you'll have two basically growing seasons before you run into the heat of the summer. Plants are going to, if we install them now, those roots are going to grow this fall. They'll go somewhat dormant during um, the winter, and then they'll also grow a little bit before, in the spring before we run into that heat of the summer. So you have two growing seasons for these plants to get established before they run into some of these adverse environmental uh, conditions. All right. What sort of pests or dilemmas might we keep an eye out for in among our trees and shrubs? Yeah. So we're. I mean, that's just a constant battle. I mean, there's no such thing as a pest-free landscape, right? Uh, but the one I'm seeing right now in central Pennsylvania is the fall webworm. Uh, you know, we talked. I, I don't know what all you've covered in previous um, uh, shows, uh, but you know, we have some of these invasive insects, spotted lanternfly, the marmorated stink bug, the Asian uh, lady beetle, and so forth. These are all invasive coming from overseas. But the fall webworm, which we're seeing now across Pennsylvania, is a native species. And it's constructing these large nests on the extremities, on the uh, branch tips. Now, in the spring, we have that eastern tent caterpillar. That also builds nests, but that's in the crotch angles. This fall webworm is at the uh, kind of the peripheral, the edge of the tree canopy, um, and it's at the height of its activity. A little less concern here on this species uh, because trees are kind of finishing or done with what they're supposed to do, and that is to capture that sunlight, produce food so that this plant can get through the winter and pop in the spring. So um, they'll defoliate a tree if, if it's really bad, but very rarely is it going to harm a tree. Now, I do caution here. You know, some of the old-timers, the way they've controlled pests um, is a little outdated. So taking, like, a propane torch to burn that nest out of the, um, uh, the tree branches is, is not 
recommend it. Um, one, you can let it go, but aesthetically it looks like garbage. But you can let it go, or you can, if it's at ground level, you can get a, a twig or a stick in there and just kind of twirl it around in that nest that they make, and that opens it up to predation and other things kind of moving in there, birds, and they'll take care of the caterpillars. Um, or you, there are some insecticides, um, but for tall trees, that's probably a little hard to do. For, for the most part, you kind of just uh, deal with that. Okay. Let's move on to the, the garden. We have about four minutes left. So uh, in oh, okay. the garden, what would we want to keep an eye out for if we have some late crops that are still coming in? Yeah. So one of the big things, um, you know, um, for our late summer, fall garden, a lot of people uh, will plant those cold crops. That would be broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, and so forth. And right now, there's a number of worm species that will attack uh, that crop. And one of the big ones is the imported cabbage worm. Um, and most folks, if they're in their gardens on a regular basis, they've probably seen the adults flying around. These are those white moths, um, have a little black speck on their wings, and they're flying around, flittering around during the day. That female will lay her eggs on the leaf of, let's just say, broccoli or cauliflower, and then those eggs will hatch, and this tiny little green worm will emerge, and it will start feeding on the leaves. At first, not that uh, big of a deal, but as they feed and grow, uh, they're going to consume more of that leaf surface, and they can defoliate that plant. Now, not as big of a deal uh, with mature plants. I mean, it is, but it's, it's especially important on younger plants, transplants, because they can defoliate that leaf surface in a day or two. For mature plants, uh, you have a little more leeway, but eventually you're going to need to control that, um, um, uh, that uh, worm species because it will ruin your crop. All right, so we'll keep an eye out for that. Uh, you had mentioned also the frost that would be coming at some point in the months ahead. In what way should we prepare for that? Right, so so frost is coming, and, and it's always, you know, the, kind of the end of the growing season for most people. But in garden situations, you can, you can prepare for that frost and get a couple weeks of growing beyond that frost. So one thing is to do is just be aware of when that frost happens. Um, there, are, there are tables out there that show when those frosts occur, um, and you can plan accordingly. You can get some row covers, <clears throat> uh, sheets or whatever, and when that frost event is, is forecasted, cover some of your vegetables, your warm season vegetables, not your broccoli or cauliflower, but your peppers, tomatoes, uh, eggplants. Cover them, and that frost blanket or row cover will give you a couple degrees of protection and if you can get through that frost event, you might have another week or two of those warm season vegetable uh, crops growing and providing harvest out of your garden. So, yeah, just keep uh, track of the weather as, as we get into October. Typically, in most of Pennsylvania, we're looking at sometime in October, depending on your elevation, where you're located in, in, in these mountains and valleys. All right. Well, thank you so much for all this information. Very much appreciated. Any other piece of information or advice that would go on a short, awfully short list of things to do uh, late to summer, early fall in the garden or on the landscape? Yeah, on, on the garden, uh, you know, as you're pulling your crops out and they're finished producing, consider a cover crop. Um, the benefits of a cover crop are, are huge. I mean, it prevents soil erosion. It adds nutrients to the soil. It creates pore spaces. There's a lot of wildlife, I'm putting that in quotes, um, organisms that proliferate in these soils that are well-managed, and then that results in, in better yields in the future. So consider a cover crop this fall uh, in your garden. 
All right, sounds fabulous. Uh, Tom, please keep in touch. We hope to hear from you again. Let's talk over the winter about bees as well. We hope might have some uh, people interested in starting up a hive out there, so we'll talk about the how-tos of that, and we'll give current information to current beekeepers too. So let's do that in the months yep, ahead. sounds good. Thank you so All much, right. Tom. Thanks for checking in today. Yep, sure thing. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. That is uh, Tom Butzler. Uh, he is a horticulture educator with Penn State Cooperative Extension based in Clinton County. But again, Beekeeping 101, which is offered by Penn State University, uh, has been uh, literally seen around the globe. Uh, hundreds of thousands of views of that course. It's a pay course and I think about 10 segments or so. And you study that and uh, you're ready to go get your mentor and get set up for beekeeping.